0: As Michigan's most powerful and influential voice for business, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce stands ready to serve you. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now.
1: How's up? Okay, awesome. um, so tell me a
2: little bit about your reaction to the news. What was your initial reaction?
1: Um, I honestly was very, I was surprised that it was so all of a sudden. It just kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. Um, That's Eleanor Wang, a student at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. She was out for a run on an otherwise quiet Sunday morning when Free Press reporter Miriam Marini caught up with her outside the university president's campus home. The topic of conversation? It's soon to be former occupant.
2: Um, one of my friends had texted me.
1: He was Schlissel fired. And I thought he was just like, I don't know, saying things, joking or whatever. But it wasn't a joke. The president of U of M, Mark Schlissel, was fired the prior evening with the school's board of regents citing an inappropriate relationship with a female subordinate. And they published his emails to prove it. And so he sent me the 118-page document, and I was like, this is, this is nuts. This is absolutely crazy. Honestly, like, I'm happy that he's gone. But at the same time, like, this, is, this has been a long time coming, I would say. Yeah. And a lot
2: of people are saying that for the COVID response problems, for the sexual assault problems, and for this real lack of connection between him and the the campus community.
1: On this episode, the Detroit Free Press dives into the fall of Schlissel. The hot water the leaders and the best have found themselves in again. And we reflect on the next big question. Who wants to take the helm after yet another misconduct fiasco at the university? I'm Carrie Jr. II, and this is On The Line.
2: My name is David Jesse. I'm the higher education reporter at the Free Press. For the last decade or more, I've covered the state's uh, colleges and universities, private and public.
1: So now there's uh, some, some pretty big news uh, that's coming out of Ann Arbor. Can you just tell us what's the latest Um, That's going on over there?
2: Sure. So the regents got an anonymous tip uh, on December 8th that uh, President Schlissel was involved with um, some sort of relationship with an employee of the university. The board of regents got this tip. They hired an outside law firm who came in and started doing investigations, and they pulled uh, Schlissel's emails. And in those emails, they found um, 118 pages worth, at least, if not more, of emails back and forth between the then president and an employee at the university. And the board, over the course of just over a month then, decided that that was enough to warrant dismissal. So, Saturday night, about dinner time, the University of Michigan Board of Regents sent an email to President Mark Schlissel saying that after an investigation into his conduct, they were firing him immediately um, and that he had 30 days to vacate the uh, president's house right there on campus.
1: Can you walk us through these messages? Like what kind of notes were being sent between the two of them?
2: So they were everything from him copying his, uh, pizza house order, you know, and sending it to sending it to her, you know, Hey, this is what I'm having for dinner tonight to, he got a box of knishes, uh, you know, uh, uh, filled dough um, treat, and he said to her, hey, if I give you one, can I lure you to to come visit me? All the way to them talking about trips they had been on and if they were going to be maybe get stuck in Paris um, and they could have some time together. He talked about being disappointed that she was unable to be at um, at an event he was going to be at. He said, the only reason I was going to go was because you were there. He shared a, a New Yorker Magazine sexual fantasies of New Yorkers with, with her as well, so I mean the the range of communications there was was pretty wide. How far back
1: do those messages go?
2: Messages go back into the 2019 range. We're not sure if there was anything before then, but that's the ones that they've published. It was nothing explicit. But it was just this pattern of what the what the board felt was was more than the usual uh, correspondence between a president of the university, a major university and someone who's working for him.
1: Have we heard from Schlissel? Have we heard from the woman that's involved?
2: No, no one has heard from the, the president. We've reached out a number of times. No one has heard from the heard from the woman who is involved in this situation either. From what you outlined, David those actions certainly seem
1: inappropriate. But wouldn't this relationship actually violate university policy?
2: Yeah, it was the policy that got put in place this summer was a reaction to the Martin Filbert situation. You remember Martin Filbert was the provost at the university. That's the that's the number two spot uh, in the university, the top academic officer. And he, over the course of decades, including while he was provost, had used his position to coerce women into relationships with him, to stop them from leaving a consensual relationships the uh, university put into place over the summer a beefed up uh, supervisor uh, relationship policy that basically says that if you have power over an employee in some way you can't have a relationship with them or if you do have a consensual relationship that you, the supervisor, the person with the greater power in the organization needs to go to their supervisor and to uh, inform them of it and then put together a plan to make sure that, you know, there was no undue influence. And so the board and President Schlissel put this policy in place as part of the reaction to, to that, I'm I'm curious what has been the response.
1: What are people saying about this? The community members, the regents, what what are what are their comments?
2: People are generally speaking happy to see him go or not sad. You know, in the last couple years there has been a lot of uh, strife on the university campus. You know, we talked about the um We talked about the provost and Martin Filbert and that situation. Um, As we're taping this podcast, the university has just reached a $490 million settlement with the Robert Anderson um, victims, one of the largest uh, sexual assault victims. Scandals in the country's histories at universities. So there's a lot of angst about how the university has handled all of that. There's also been, you know, a lot of turmoil around how the university dealt with COVID. The faculty of the University of Michigan uh, passed a no confidence vote in uh, President Schlissel. It was the first time in the University of Michigan's very lengthy history. And so there was a lot of that strife underlying this decision as well
1: it's the straw that broke the camel's back it's not a straw that was more like a giant <laughs> right massive pole Yeah, it's not a straw at all um so we talked earlier about this policy it, it seems like you know they drafted it you said last summer and these acts have been going on since 2019 so it's kind of ironic that he broke this this policy that he helped create
2: yeah you know they hired an outside firm guidepost solutions that came in and put together a bunch of recommendations he was involved in those conversations you know and that was one of the things that really created a lot of anger from the board on saturday night you saw in their in their statement announcing it you know they said hey look at you put together this policy While you were having an inappropriate relationship, while you were setting yourself up publicly to be like, we're pushing for this, we're going to hold everyone to these tough standards, you knew that you were already violating this.
1: After the break, the hunt for trust, transparency, and someone who won't break their own policies.
0: As Michigan's leading statewide business advocacy organization, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce is on the job every day standing up for job providers in the legislative, political, and legal arenas. We are the unified voice of thousands of members who employ over one million Michiganders. We work with trade associations and local chambers of commerce of every size and kind in all 83 counties of the state. We know business in Michigan. Learn more today about how we can protect, connect, and strengthen your business. Whether that's advocating on your behalf at the Capitol, helping meet your informational training and networking needs, or boosting your bottom line visibility and voice, we're on the job for you. Make my chamber your chamber. Go to MyChamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now.
1: And we're back, talking to Free Press reporter David Jesse about what happens after the fall and firing of U of M President Mark Schlissel. As of right now, who, who will be taking place of Schlissel as president?
2: So the interim president is going to be Mary Sue Coleman, who was the president of the University of Michigan before Schlissel was here for about a about a decade. She's been involved in kind of the higher ed uh, world, the higher ed circles since leaving the university. While well, she's been away from the university for eight years in terms of leading it, you know, she certainly understands issues won't have a massive ramp up to, uh, to get ready. Yeah, they,
1: they, it makes sense to find someone who's done the job and is familiar with it for the time being as they continue the search. As we've been having this conversation, we've already you know detailed a couple of situations at the University of Michigan, but that's kind of what makes this really notable is that there's been this cloud of allegations uh, around the school. Um, can you just talk about briefly what sets the context for why this is, is a notable situation other than it just being the president?
2: Yeah, so there's a number of professors um, in different colleges and different schools who've had accusations. And there's just a real sense on the campus that powerful men are able to use their positions to harass, assault, uh, how, whatever word you want to pick there, uh, uh, women, students, junior faculty, staff, and that when it's reported into the system, that nothing happens. It gets swept under the rug. It gets outright dismissed. They've made a lot of changes to some to policies, including the one that tripped up uh, Schlissel. But there definitely is a sense on campus that not enough is being done and that the university is disingenuous at the best in their comments and in their words about caring about sexual assault victims.
1: So earlier you talked about
2: Martin Filbert uh, let's go back to that. What was known there? The board hired an independent law firm, and they found that there were a couple instances when Schlissel was kind of told about Filbert and probably should have done some more, some more checking. One, a former regent, had a meeting or lunch with uh, President Swissle at one point and told him, hey, look, you need to do some more checking into Filbert. There's some issues there. There also was, so the president every year has a review that the, um, faculty can send in comments uh, to, and in those comments were things about his hiring of, you know, why did you hire Philbert? He's known to be this predator. Schlissel admits he didn't read those comments, and there were a couple other uh, circumstances. I just want to talk a little bit about the
1: news that came out this week, the recent settlement in regard to sexual assault allegations raised against the former football team doctor. Can you briefly talk about what that is?
2: Sure. So Robert Anderson was hired in the late sixties to be a doctor at the university, was heavily involved right away in the athletic department, uh, with, uh, with Bo Schembecker, the famed coach. But over the course of his career, which lasted until, uh, into the early two thousands, he, Anderson, had sexually assaulted mostly male athletes, uh, constantly um, wrestlers and football players this morning we're joined by dozens of survivors of sexual abuse by robert anderson but these brave men and women are also victims of abuse by the University of Michigan. They tried to let the university know about it various times. There's there's claims that they let everyone from the athletic director to Bo Schembecker to uh, other officials know and nothing ever, nothing ever happened. So there's just over a thousand people who have sued the university in federal court um, claiming that they were sexually assaulted by Anderson and that the university uh, turned a blind eye to him. The University of Michigan has failed to acknowledge its own failures, but rather only pointed the finger at Robert Anderson. And so on Wednesday morning, the university and those folks reached a settlement for $490 million um, to settle that lawsuit.
1: And you said that this is the largest, one of the largest?
2: for comparison um Michigan State University uh, the Larry Nasser case that everybody knows about that right the former gymnastics doctor there US Olympic uh, gymnastics doctor um they settled a lawsuit there that had an initial wave of uh 330 ish um athletes there so you know and then there were some more that were added on I mean, we're talking at least a thousand that have already come forward at the University of Michigan. That contributes to this this uh, atmosphere at the university. You know, these major major sexual assault scandals. The I mean, Anderson stretched over forty years. Filbert stretched over a couple decades. You know, and the they have raised real serious questions about. Why the university, which knew about, at some level, knew about each of those cases and others, didn't step in? And what is it at the University of Michigan and in their culture that has let those types of things go on and on and on?
1: Well, honestly, David, that was a question I was just about to pose to you. Like, what? why is it that this institution can't seem to properly handle its controversies? You know, it's... <laughs> if you don't mind answering your own questions.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, if I could come up with a great answer to that, right, I'd, I'd sell it to everybody or I'd just give it away and we would have no, we wouldn't right. do these podcasts and I wouldn't write these stories. I mean, right. I think a lot of it has to do with power and with reputation. Right. And so the power, it's the powerful protecting the powerful, right? It's, um, the team doctor for the football team. It's about protecting the brand of the University of Michigan, right? We don't want to acknowledge that, um, this institution, which is a tremendous institution when you look at its academic reputation and its programs, et cetera, that has these blemishes on it. And so when you have this culture that we got to protect the brand, that's what then leads to, well, if someone comes forward with something that could harm that brand, that could show us the actual truth, the reaction is, well, we're just going to make that go away. We're going to sweep that under the rug. And so that's also then the challenge for the next president who comes in, for Mary Sue a little bit, but really for the next permanent president how do you set that culture? How do you turn this organization into one where we're going to be transparent about ourselves, whether it's good or bad? And if it's bad, we're going to fix it. I
1: mean, that's got to be an uphill battle to climb now because there's such distrust, I would say, it seems like from the community, from the student body at this point, because it's not just about the people doing the act, but it's about the people who hear about doing the act and not know, doing something about it. And so I guess, like you're saying, that puts whoever comes into this position in a pretty tough spot, who would want this job?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge question. Um, And I think one that, you know, while board members haven't talked... Publicly about about this, I'm sure they're thinking about privately. I mean, the University of Michigan is still one of the top public universities in the nation, right? It's a it's a destination type of a job. It's like if the you know the New York Times or the Washington Post came along, and our, our listeners, you know, think about whatever the top end of your profession your profession is. That's what you know. The University of Michigan's in that spot. On the other hand, you're going to have to lead an organization where, as you said, the trust. Level Level is, I mean, it's at the floor. And so. You can come in here with all kinds of ideas on what you're gonna do and how you're gonna change stuff. But before you're able to get any of that in, you're gonna to have to figure out how do I get the faculty to trust me again? How do I get the students to trust me again? To trust the university, that the university is gonna look out for their best interests.
1: Um, as you already said, the prestige is already like a big pulling factor, but are there any other cells for the institution?
2: Well, there. I mean, there's always people who are interested in change, who are interested in making a difference You might look at this and be like, this is the perfect chance for me to come in and offer this plan that can help them get to that, get to that point. And so, you know, it's going to create a, it's going to need a special person to come in. You got to remember, right, we got back to brand, the brand of the University of Michigan is the leaders and the best, You know, and they say that a lot. They want to bring in the leaders and the best. Now, whether that what how that looks and if they're able to to do that. I mean, that's the massive challenge now facing the university.
1: Is there any information on how they're going about the search?
2: No, they're going to put together a search committee here shortly, probably in the next couple of weeks. And they'll start the the formal process of of gathering names and interviewing and vetting and all the all that good stuff that goes on when you're searching for for a president. Uh, when might we hear about a hiring? You know, I think there are some folks who would like to hire and have someone here this summer, certainly in time to start next academic year. Um, we talked to an expert uh, who said uh, that they really should think about not this coming fall, but the next fall, take their time, do a very careful search. Um, so, I, you know, I think all that will start to be ironed out in the next couple of weeks.
1: What will Schlissel's legacy be? What will his tenure be known for?
2: I think his tenure will be known on the positive side for kind of stabilizing the athletic department. Um, he started that first months he was here. There was, um, students gathered on his lawn calling for the firing of the athletic director over the handling of a concussion of a football quarterback, marketing, uh, snafus, mo- bad morale in the department. He's straightened that out with some good hires. Um, you know, certainly the athletic teams are performing very well. Um, he, He has increased the academic. Performance academic level at the university brought in some top notch professors, faculty, and he helped put in place a uh, Go Blue guarantee. Which, if you live in the state of Michigan and you have a household income of $65,000 or less, you attend the university at no cost t- tuition wise. You know, so those programs are, are good. He'll definitely be noted for all of that. He'll also be noted for the COVID response problems, for the sexual assault problems, and for this real lack of connection between him and the the campus community and what's the harm done to UVM's reputation overall I mean I, you see all over the internet uh, alums and students saying you know this hurts my my diploma, you know, I mean, one of the things about going to the University of Michigan and graduating is you say you're a University of Michigan graduate. And that brings to mind, right, this leaders and best thing we've been talking about this, this brand, it helps you get that interview, it helps you get into the position you want to get into. And now there's the question of, is that tarnished somehow because of this?
1: Thank you, David, Jesse, for taking the time.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Additionally, we'd like to thank Free Press reporter Miriam Marini, who you heard at the top of this episode. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis. I, Delgado, and Marianne Struman are our executive producers, and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Loftboy. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Um, Please leave a comment, rate us and uh, share, share it with your family and friends. See you next week.